Welcome to the Business of Security podcast, episode number one. Your hosts today are Chad Beckman and Ed Snodgrass. Today, they're going to talk to Alex Wood, Vice President and Chief Information Security Officer with Pulte Financial Services. Now, let's get to it. the industry need to start talking about that we're not doing today. Information technology is built on a horrible foundation. If we could sort of redo and start from the beginning, we would be so much better off. If you don't invest in it, keep it running, it will blow up. You also have to be able to go in with solutions, not just problems. We have a long way to go if we're going to win this fight. At the end of the day, educated people are really the best countermeasure against all the threats, the threats, the threats. Here with Alex Wood. Thank you for joining us today, Alex. Happy to be here. All right. And Ed Snodgrass, go ahead and take it away. Hello. Uh, thank you. And Alex, again, thank you very much. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Alex is uh, Vice President and Chief Information Security Officer for Pulte Financial Services. Yes, sir. So, um, so, I mean, let's get right down to it. So, Alex, one, one thing that we like to ask is, I mean, how did you really kind of get started in this crazy business of information security? Yeah, so uh, it's funny. I had always had an interest in computers and IT growing up. Um, you know, I had a, played around with a lot of stuff. I had a Commodore 64, um, you know, did a lot of you know, basic programming and that kind of stuff. So really was into it as a kid. But I, it was still a time where going to school for computers or you know, for information technology really didn't seem like a thing to me. Um, it was kind of, you know, computer science at that point was a lot of math and I, you know, I like computers, but I didn't really like math. Um, so, uh, I ended up being a, a chemistry major in college, but for a couple summers I worked for my uncle who had a software company. So that kind of really got me into the, the first phases of, of IT in general. And, you know, I just kind of did whatever they needed me to do around the office. Um, you know, I, I did some, uh, Novell netware admin and, um, you know, I was running cables through ceilings and doing all kinds of stuff. And that, that's kind of really where I got the, the idea that maybe I could do this as, as a career. Um, I graduated and I thought, okay, well, I, I don't really want to do chemistry, which is what my major was. Um, so what else could I do? Well, maybe I'll take a shot at the, this computer stuff. And it was, it was the late 90s, you know, sort of the, the original dot-com boom. And basically, if you could, uh, if you could type and had any kind of sense you could get a job. So I got uh, an entry-level job at, at IBM, um, just basically doing some help desk work. Then one of the guys I was working with, uh, he was moving over to this managed security services group. And I was like, managed security services, what, what is that? And he's like, oh, I'm gonna be a, uh, an ethical hacker. I'm gonna be a penetration tester. Uh... Oh, what, what are you gonna do? He's like, oh yeah, they're, they're gonna pay me to go try and break these people's computers and so that we can tell them what's wrong and how they can fix their security. I'm like, really? That's an actual job? That's something that they'll pay you to do? And he's like, yeah, it, it's awesome. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So I kept my eyes open and looked for other jobs in that group. And eventually um, there was a security operations job, um, you know, sort of entry-level security job that was open over there. Um, I, I applied and they, they took me in and it's funny, they were just starting their official security operations center at, in IBM Managed Security Services. And so I was one of three people to start the security operations center there. Uh, we were 24 by 7, so we had, uh, we had three shifts. I was, I was day shift, um, Monday through Friday. There was another guy that was second shift and another guy that was the night shift. Um, and then the, the engineering guys did on-call on the weekends. 
Um, so that's really where I got started in security. Um, and, you know, just it, it fascinated me. and it, It's kind of been going ever since. So that was, I think, in, in 2000. So, uh, you know, I've been doing it for you know 17 years now. Um, and it's great. You know, it's always changing. Keeps me on my toes. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Well, I can understand that. I mean, I've been in it for a while as well, and it's definitely a dynamic industry. So you've been in it for a while. Uh, obviously, you're in the financial services sector, which yep. is you know a hotbed both for uh, security technology as well as potential threat. Um, but you know, the industry as a whole, I think we talk a lot about you know kind of the things that are out there now, things like ransomware and things like IoT and things like phishing and training, all the things that are kind of you know, boilerplate almost, if you will, with regard to a security program. Um, from your particular vantage point or just your colleagues in the industry, what should the industry be talking about that maybe we're not yet? Now, a word from our sponsor, TrustMap, the business management system for security leaders. TrustMap has been described as a solution in a couple of different ways. For example, it has been described as a GRC platform, and it's also been described as a business management platform for security teams. You see, TrustMap is designed for security teams by security teams. The genesis of TrustMap began when a CIO asked the question, show me the state of our security program. Where are we today and where are we going over the next two to three years? And how much is it going to take to get there? One example of TrustMap solving real-world challenges begins with a customer in the insurance services industry that I'll refer to as David. David, like many other security program managers, struggled to coordinate all of the activities across various teams to determine the security program performance and also set priorities to improve security and manage risk over the next calendar year. Now, we'll pause there. We'll come back a little later in the podcast to learn the outcome of David's challenge using TrustMap. For now, listeners of the podcast should know that you can schedule a free trial of TrustMap. Go to TrustMap.com slash business. Now, let's pick up where we left off. What should the industry be talking about that maybe we're not yet? You know, um, I'll take a little bit of a different spin on that in that... um, Really, I think people often focus on the more complex things um, to try and, and implement to help them with some problem that's extremely simple. Uh, you know, you mentioned phishing um, as one of the, the things that's pretty prevalent right right now, which I would agree with. Um, but one of the, the easiest ways to fix phishing, um, because we're seeing so much uh, potential credential theft through phishing, um, obviously there's the malware piece of phishing too, but the easiest way to fix that is to implement two-factor authentication. Um, you know, while training is great, uh, email security solutions are great. Uh, there, there's all these things that you can do to help with uh, with preventing someone from getting fished. But the simplest thing of putting in two-factor authentication: okay, someone gets your credentials. Okay, so what? They don't have your second factor, so it is that much harder for them to get in. Very simple fix. Um, especially if you're somebody that's using, um, you know, uh, the Google G Suite or Office 365 or any of that stuff, those are features that they already have built in. It's easy to do. Um, there's other vendors that obviously you can do two-factor authentication with. Uh, but I think that that's one simple way uh, that you can help mitigate this stuff that I, I don't think people really are, are looking at. They're not really getting down to the root cause of, of how you can fix this stuff. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention in that area is you know, people keep talking about the, the shortage that we have in the workforce. Uh, it's really hard to find people who can do cybersecurity, 
Um, and essentially it feels like we're just, you know, moving the chess pieces around, you know, um, I need a, I need somebody. So I hire them from, from them that, that's working at your organization. Well, you're going to go hire somebody from somebody else's organization. And it's just going to keep going around. And there's still that one position that's vacant. It's just, you're moving it from place to place. Uh, and we really need to find a way to, to pull more people into the industry. Um, and there's a lot of these boot camps and training organizations, other things that are they're starting to sprout up. Um, but I, I feel like those folks are, are really missing what you need to be a, a good security professional, even if you go through one of those boot camps and get the education. And that's really the, the background and experience in IT. Uh, I think people are much better off trying to pull you know, somebody from an IT role uh, you know, maybe you're a systems administrator, maybe you're a network administrator, maybe you're, you know, somebody like that. You don't have any security experience, you know, direct security experience. You've obvi- obviously probably done security as part of your job. Um, but those are the people that um, are willing to learn, that have the experience um, in IT in general, that are, are essentially right there, right for the picking ooh, ooh, pick me, pick me. Um, to really help our industry expand. Um, and then, you know, maybe leave the, the bootcamp people to, to backfill those, uh, those IT jobs and get the experience so they can become security people. It's tough to really become a security person without having experienced the, the pains of IT in general first. That's an excellent answer. I, you know, personally, what I've seen is, is very much the same where people come in and they're coming off the service desk or uh, from network operations and they have that interest in security, make the best security candidates. Uh, whereas some of the college training programs, they need to understand how to apply IT and uh, to the business and what that means in context of the IT operations versus the business operations, and then the layer of security that is always sort of the gray matter in between the two because you're struggling to meet the business needs as well as to um, you know wedge security into IT as it exists today sometimes. And so having that, I think, previous experience, as you indicated, is really critical. Yeah, I completely agree. So I'd like to change direction just a little bit. The CISO of today, if you will, um, a lot of us came up through the technology ranks, familiarized ourselves with that, and you know, it was either a natural progression or there was an interest there, as you kind of just alluded to, to kind of get into security full time. But in our experience, it seems like CISOs and security executives really have to be able to align themselves and develop those key business relationships and ultimately be able to, you know, really communicate the sometimes operationally heavy metric data set that we get that we kind of use to run our business day to day. But we need to communicate that to business executives and the board of directors and C-suite in terms that align with, you know, the business acumen of the rest of the organization. What what things have you seen in your career that, that have enabled you to be successful in doing so? Uh, I think the the biggest thing is a desire to learn about what your business actually does. Um, That's not necessarily something that, again, coming up through the technology ranks, is something that you think about. Um, You think about, hey, I need to deliver this email solution or um, I need to, um, you know, implement DLP, you know, whatever it is that, that your technology project is, you might be removed from what the actual business of your business is. Um, so until you get curious about that hmm. and figure out what it is that you really do and what the important pieces of that business are, you're not going to be able to communicate those risks in, in a reasonable way. Um, and I think that, that the technology side hampers us a little bit because we are so reliant on technology. Um, most of the risks 
that you're going to, you're going to explain, yeah, they have technology as a basis, but it's really in that business context. So having lunch, um, making relationships, um, doing the, the little things, the human things, the things that aren't at your keyboard, uh, are really going to be what makes a difference in figuring that stuff out. Um, I also, you know, as part of our program, I have a, uh, security steering committee. So we have representatives from each one of our business units that we meet every quarter. Uh, and we talk about issues that they may be having. I present, um, issues and projects that we're doing. Um, and it's that sort of dialogue to find out, um, are the things that I'm doing impacting you? What are you doing that might impact me? Um, really just having that open dialogue helps, uh, so, so much in getting the, uh, the education around what your business does and what the impacts to your, um, for your security program really are. Um, if you're thinking about risk, you know, risk is really likelihood and impact. Right. Um, so as the, the IT people, it's fairly easy for us to figure out the likelihood, right? So we know that, well, we hopefully know the vulnerabilities that are on our network. Um, we know the threats that are out there. Uh, we can we can figure out with a pretty good certainty, okay, th- this is what we think might happen, but we really have a hard time with that impact side. Um, just because a system goes down doesn't mean it's an impact to the business. Uh, when, you, when you say uh, have trouble with the impact side, are you saying have everybody agree on what the impact ought to be? Uh, I mean, that's part of it. But I think a lot of times coming from the IT side, we think impact as... Um, loss of one system or something like that. That is not a business impact. Wait, what? Uh, a business impact is something that hits the bottom line to your business. Uh-huh. Just because a uh, your critical application was offline for an hour, that doesn't necessarily mean a business impact. It's an IT impact, um, but you really need to understand, okay, is this an impact to the bottom line of my business? And that's the only, only way you can get that is by talking to the people that do that business. So if I'm a new security uh, leader in an organization that perhaps had a very IT-centric security program in the past, and I'm trying to change that uh, and, and have a more business uh, relationship right, between security and the business, how would I go about that to get started in having those conversations, discussing impact, what the impact is to the business, and what is really important for security to focus on? Um, so one of the things that I do as part of our the annual uh, program and risk assessment that we do um, is I go and I, I have dedicated interview time um, with key executives and leaders from, from each area of the business. You know, I've, I've got this steering committee, but I also set aside time uh, to do these in-person interviews so that I can get an understanding of uh, from their perspective, um, what would be the biggest impact to them? You know, would it... Uh, you know, if this system or process or whatever it is goes away, um, if we lose some data, if um, if the integrity of the data in this system gets compromised, um, how how is this going to impact you? Is is it going to be a big impact to you? Is it going to be a little impact to you? Um, I think that that's a great start. It's going to take some time to uh, to build the real detailed understanding that you might want um, to get sort of a dollars and cents kind of impact. Um, but at least understanding those areas is a great place to start. And then as you start framing the, the risks that you present back um, and the projects that you're doing to help mitigate those risks, you can really relate that to those people now and say, hey, you, know, you said that this, this particular um, system application data, whatever it is, is super important. 
So, you know, we see this risk and this is how we've rated it. And look, we're going to be doing these things that can uh, help us make sure that, um, that that potential risk is not realized for us so that you will always have that system available, that data be confidential, the, the integrity of that data be, uh, I don't know what the verb to, <laughs> to there is, but, you know, you always have integrity of that data. So how does one go about uh, starting to paint the picture for people that don't understand what security really does other than firewalls and encryption? All right, let's briefly return to our story about David. As David was seeking to understand his security program's current performance and thereby set appropriate priorities and expectations, he had to engage with team members and internal customers outside of the security team. So David launched an initial process assessment in TrustMap, aligned to his control framework and regulatory requirements. What David discovered was the ability to save time from previous efforts through the aggregation of multiple users' input and data points. So David leveraged TrustMap's analytics to tell a compelling story to executive leadership about the performance of the security program, investments required, and resources needed to achieve specified goals. The executive leadership and board of directors had the assumption that mobile security was an area already solved in the eyes of the leadership based on previous investment in a mobile device management system. However, based on the results of the program assessment and trust map, David could clearly articulate why mobile security was still underperforming to desired goals. In this case, it was the result of mobile application security and not device security. The analytics and planning intelligence from TrustMap supported David's story and allowed him to describe the estimated investments required and the difference between mobile device security and mobile application security to a non-technical audience. As a result, the leadership team acknowledged mobile application security as a priority, allocating funds to improve this area to achieve the desired maturity goals. TrustMap is for every leader who manages information security as a function of the business. And as a reminder, for listeners of this podcast, you should know that you can schedule a free trial of TrustMap. Go to TrustMap.com slash business. Now let's get back to the show. So how does one go about uh, starting to paint the picture for people that don't understand what security really does other than firewalls and encryption? Uh, I think it's the... It's the job of the CISO uh, to be that sort of translation layer. Um, you need to uh, have a, a firm understanding of the, the technology and the things that, that your people do. Um, but you also have to be able to be a good storyteller uh, to be able to translate those things into you know, sort of everyday language. You know, we've developed our own cybersecurity language um, that doesn't necessarily mass, uh, match um, other people's language, you know, even other people that do risk, you know, we've come up with different terms, you know, they don't, they don't say vulnerabilities, you know, they say other things, they don't, you know, all that kind of stuff, but it, it really, at the base of it is the same. Um, so you kind of have to take what, what it is that you're doing and your technical folks are doing and, and translate that a little bit, uh, into a language that, that other people can understand. Um, and some of that just takes practice. Um, I've heard people that, uh, you know, they go and get their MBA, um, to help learn more of that sort of business language. Uh, I think that's, you know, definitely one way that you could do it as well. It's an expensive way, but it, it's a way to do it. Um, and, you know, I know people that have had great experiences getting their MBAs. Um, I, I haven't gone that route myself, but, um, you know, through experience, I think I've learned some of that stuff and it, it helps me with that translation. 
One of the things that we find, Alex, too, is amongst effective CISOs is that they, they seem to realize that it's not just a question of, you know, protecting the company that they're chartered with protecting. Really, it, it, it's an important part of being a CISO to give back to the industry, if you will, and kind of make our community as a whole stronger. Um, and we know you teach a class, a I class do. that is uh, that, that you hold around the around the country. Um, it's uh, it's very highly spoken of. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So um, uh, there's a couple things that I do. You know, one is I, I volunteer a lot with with ISSA, the Information System Security Association. I think it's a great group. Um, you know, there's chapters all around the country. I'd, I'd um, suggest people get involved. I think um, it's a wonderful thing to do. If not ISSA, there's lots of other groups too. Uh, but specifically about my class. Uh, so I do a class on um, creating and maturing a security program with the NIST cybersecurity framework. So the, the NIST framework came out from the government, was focused on critical infrastructure, uh, but really um, it's becoming more broad and being used by a, a lot of different industries. Um, and really the, the class is a, a hands-on approach um, for how to implement that when you're trying to create a mature security program. So. Uh, we spend a little bit of time going over the details of the framework um, and the implementation steps that are laid out within the framework and then sort of my interpretation of, of what you need to do for those steps in order to implement a successful program. Um, and I've been doing this uh, sort of in conjunction with the Secure World conferences. Um, I also do it um, sort of on request for, you know, for uh, private institutions or conferences or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, it's been fun. I've been enjoying it. I've been doing it for a couple of years now. Um, I think the, the cybersecurity framework is a, is a great step forward, uh, sort of a, a unifying effort around uh, some of the other standards and frameworks that we have out there. Um, so I'm just trying to do my part to, to help educate and uh, let people know about that. I think everybody really needs a formalized security cybersecurity program. Uh, it's really the plan of what, what you have. You got to have a roadmap, got to have a plan. And uh, it's sort of my attempt to help everybody develop that plan. That's great. And it almost seems like, you know, despite the plethora of tools that we need to use to secure our enterprise, I mean, when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, educated people are really the best countermeasure that we have out there available against all the threats that, you know, kind of befall us all the time. So um, so we appreciate that. We appreciate it. It's there. Thanks. Um, so finally, the money question, and this Uh-oh. is the one that we up. This is the one. So, <clears throat> if you could, you know, wave your hands and literally be, you know, benevolent leader of the entire security industry for a day, what's one thing that you would change? Um, I would replace TCP/IP. <laughs> so, uh, the the biggest reason that we have all of these security issues is uh, information technology is built on a horrible foundation. You know, all of the protocols that were developed at the start of the internet were not developed with privacy and security in mind. Um, and really, you know, TCP IP is sort of the basis for all of that. Um, and I mean, I guess, you know, all the other protocols that are early protocols along the, the OSI stack as well, uh, you know, ARP and you know, everything else, we have this horrible insecure foundation. And because of that, we've had to put all of this other stuff on top of it to try and make it more secure. Can I get some more band-aids? If we could sort of redo and start from the beginning, we would be so much better off. Um, I, I don't see that ever happening um, because there are benefits to TCP IP also, um, as we all know. But... If you could replace that foundation with something stronger and more secure, uh, we would be in a much better place. That's a great answer. Love it. 
Of course, I've got, you know, architect friends of mine that would be, you know, knocking on our doors. Yeah. What are you doing? Now what are we going to do? Right. But, you know, go learn security. That's I, I got to say, I wasn't expecting that response. That's a great response. Replace a TCP IP stack. It, you know, that, uh, especially in the world, IPv6, IoT, uh, now might be a great time to submit your proposal. Yeah. Well, you know, IPv6 was really supposed to be um, that better, more secure yeah. version. Yeah. And it really isn't. There's some benefits to it, but it's it still is building on an insecure foundation. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Alex. We appreciate uh, you coming out today um, and spending a little time with us after the class here in Minneapolis. And uh, wish you a safe flight and travels back to Denver. Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. Uh, happy to be interviewed and uh, good luck with the podcast. Thank you, Alex. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Business of Security podcast. A special thanks today to our guest, Alex Wood, Vice President and Chief Information Security Officer for Pulte Financial Services. Our hosts today were Chad Beckman, founder and CEO of Secure Digital Solutions, and Ed Snodgrass, Chief Information Security Officer at SDS. You can connect with Chad and Ed on LinkedIn and learn more about SDS at TrustSDS.com. Our show is produced by Dan Rollins with LiveWire Films. You can find Dan on LinkedIn and learn more about LiveWire Films at LiveWireFilms.com. Be sure to check out our next podcast episode with Wayne Saden, CIO with Affinitas Life. Our topic is transforming how we do business. You've been listening to the Business of Security podcast. And that's a wrap. <laughs>